Well, good morning, Grace. How are we doing this morning? Good. We're awake. Um, we're continuing our series, Counterculture, today. It's our second week in this. We're spending two months uh, as we study through the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount and we study through the Beatitudes. And just a refresher from last week. Last week we talked about what the Beatitudes are. These are the attitudes that we should strive to be. Be attitudes. And last week we opened up with the starting point of this series. But the first Beatitude is blessed are those who are poor in spirit. And this was called to the emptying, the emptying of oneself, to stepping out of pride and, 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 a, and opening up for Jesus to fill us and to move through, through us. That's the starting point for all of this. And, and today, we're going to be talking about a, it, it's a hard topic to talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking about the idea of mourning today, loss. It, it says this in Matthew 5, verse 4, the next beatitude on our list. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now remember, the tagline for this whole series is counterculture. We are living a life that culture has a standard and they say a way of living. But as a Christ follower, we acknowledge that Christ calls us often to live separate from that standard. We are called to live by his standard. And when we encounter Jesus, the tagline for this series is Jesus changes everything. Now say it with me like you mean it. Jesus changes everything. So we're going to be tackling this idea of mourning today. Mourning this. And with the mindset of allowing Jesus to work in us and changing us, how we approach this. Mourning is hard because I know in this room, there's different stories, there's different experiences. There, there's some of us in this room, right now, you are experiencing a season of mourning. Maybe you're, you're in that. Right now, currently, this message is for you today. Maybe there's someone in this room who you once, you, you went through that season, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those, those weeks, those months, those years where you mourned and you cried, this message is for you. And there might be someone in here today that has never experienced this level of mourning. You've never experienced this deep loss. But guess what, this message is for you because I hate to say this, you will. We will all find ourselves in a place of mourning. Now, the idea of mourning, it, it, it's interesting, because like I said, there's a lot of different stories, and, and we all process mourning and loss different. We all process this different, and to be fair, when I was, read this scripture, my first time reading through Beatitudes as a new Christian, I read this line. It made no sense to me. Blessed are those who mourn? How could mourning ever be a blessing? How, how could suffering and loss and pain ever be a blessing? This was a hard one for me. I mean, think about it. We all experience this and we act differently through this. Even at a funeral. Funerals are, are, are interesting situations because everyone there is experiencing different emotions. And th there's different kind of people at funerals. There's, there's some people who, when they go to a funeral, they are close to the individual who has passed. And they are rightfully so in a season of mourning loss and all the, the memories and everything is rushing through their head and they're, they're processing through that. Then there's some people like me at a funeral sometimes when I go to a funeral where I don't even know why I'm crying. I, 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 don't, I don't even know the person who has passed, but I'm seeing other people cry and then I begin to cry. Is there anybody like that? 
I just, when somebody starts to tear up, I just feel like I have to match that. You know, that's just how I engage with the situation. And then there are some people, and this is sometimes how people take this passage, blessed, because we can all sometimes interpret the word blessed as happy, happy. And that, that's the wrong interpretation. We're going to dive into that here in a little bit. But there's some people at a funeral where you're experiencing deep loss, and they come up to you, and they pat you on the back, and they quote a Bible verse, and they're like, "Woo, we got Jesus, though, right? Does that feel weird? You know, this person at the funeral, like, come on, as Christians, we, we put this on ourselves that we can't really experience mourning because we have the hope of Jesus. I, how am I allowed to be sad when I believe in Jesus? And we can sometimes do this to people. When they're in a season of mourning and hurt, we rush in to save the day and remind them of the blessing of hope. Mourning's hard. And the reason why it's so hard is there's no real clear blueprint for it. It's different for everyone. But I think there is a story that we can look at, a story that we can look at when it comes to mourning that kind of sets the stage for this. Because as a Christian, like I said, we can get to this place where we almost, when we're in a season of mourning, we become shameful because we've, we've recited the verses, we've said the things, believing in the hope of Jesus, so I, I, I can't feel this. And there's a story in scripture that I think kind of contradicts that. It, it happens when Jesus' good friend Lazarus dies. Lazarus uh, dies and Jesus is told that he's dying a couple days before and Jesus waits a couple days and he makes his way to go see Lazarus. And by the time Lazarus, by, by the time Jesus gets to Lazarus, he's already passed. He's behind the tomb. He's buried. And everyone there is in a season of mourning. They've lost their friend, their brother. They're mourning. Jesus, what he's about to do is Jesus is about to go into that tomb where Lazarus lays and he's going to resurrect him from the dead. Amazing miracle. Amazing miracle. But I I read this, it's very interesting when I read this story because what Jesus does when he approaches the group of people we get the shortest passage in the Bible. It says that he goes to the tomb and Jesus wept. Why? Why does Jesus cry? Why is he weeping? You know, I, I, it's a good thing that, you know, I'm not Jesus because, you know, in that situation, if I'm walking in and I'm about to go raise someone from the dead, I'm walking into that tomb with like some swagger. I'm walking in, I'm looking at people like, why are you crying? I'm here. You know, <laughs> stiffen up that lip, I'm here, you know. And I'm going to walk up to that tomb, I'm busting that rock open, lasers are going off, smoke cannons come out of nowhere. And I'm like, look, stop crying. It's a good thing I'm not Jesus. Because what Jesus does is so different. Jesus knows the miracle that's to come but still mourns with those who are currently feeling loss. In the Christian life, we can try to rush through mourning, rush through the process, because we are looking forward to the miracle. We're looking forward to the hope, which is great. But we cannot become norm in our practice of skipping through the mourning process. Jesus knew what was gonna come, still entered into their mourning, still entered into that situation and wept with them. 
Mourning is a process of just, it's a journey that we go on. And the actual word for blessed here, blessed are those who mourn, if you know the understanding of the actual word, it changes how you view this. It goes from being happy are those who mourn, and it actually means honored are those who mourn. Or those who have the favor of God who mourn. The blessing that comes from this is that we don't have to walk through mourning and seasons of loss alone. We walk through it with our Savior. I mean, it says this in Isaiah 61, verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. That's what Jesus is. Jesus is the comfort for the broken heart. Jesus is that comforter. And we're going to dive into three different kinds of mourning this morning. And then we're going to talk about ways that we process through it. And the three areas we're going to focus off, there's three kinds of mourning. The first one is this. There's natural mourning. This is that kind of mourning that's it's a loss of something. You, you lost a possession. You, you've, you've lost a, a someone in your life. You've lost status. You've lost wealth. And you begin to mourn this loss. Robert Slater says it this way when it comes to this kind of mourning. It's the helpless wishing that things were different. That's what this natural morning is. This is where you begin to say these things. I wish they were still here. I wish I had one more day. I wish I would have managed the finances better and we weren't here. That's the kind of morning. Isn't this natural morning? It's that, that emptiness. And I, I'm sure all of us have felt that. Gosh, I just wish it was different. That's natural. We all go through that. And there's a second kind of mourning. This is an unhealthy, or even better, unnatural kind of mourning. This is not how we were designed to mourn. This mourning is centered around lies. This mourning is centered around lies, and, and lies that we begin to believe. Lies that, that make their way into our head and begin to change the way that we think and we see the world begin to change the way we process and talk with people. Lies such as this, this kind of morning. I'm worthless. I'm worthless. Or, or nobody cares about me. No one loves me. I have no one. I'm not worth anything. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve your comfort. This kind of morning is an unhealthy, unnatural morning. And if left untapped, Left unchecked in our life, these lies, this unnatural kind of mourning, can become a prison to us. It can become a prison to our life where we get locked up behind spiritual bars of lies that we believe. Lies and, and, and the things that have gotten in our head begin to become truth and it starts to change everything around us. Even the people that we were close to once now feel distant. Because we've convinced ourselves of this lie. Could you imagine going to jail based on a lie? I read a story just this last week of a man who was in prison for 20 years. And there was an accusation made against him 20 years before, and he was convicted and went to jail. Well, it came out later through some studies and findings that he was actually innocent. And it was a lie that sent him there. He was proven innocent and released. And the news stations, they, they go and they go to interview this man. 
They go to interview this man, and they're, they're, I think they're kind of baiting him here. They want that reaction of, man, I was in prison for 20 years. I hate these people. I was in prison for 20 years, and I'm angry, and I'm upset because it was a lie. And they ask him this simple question, how do you feel? How do you feel? That's the response that they're wanting. And his response is so great. He said, I'm just blessed to be free. Blessed to be free. Our spiritual life can be the very same kind of mindset. Where we become locked in and imprisoned to lies that we begin to believe. In our season of mourning, we go down the slippery slope of believing those lies. We become imprisoned. And then finally we get to the moment where we're free. We, 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 we break through and there's two responses. We can either choose anger or just focus on the fact that we're blessed to be free from that lie. We have, to, we have to battle against this. So there's natural, there's unhealthy and unnatural, and then there's the third one, spiritual mourning. Spiritual mourning. This one plays a large part into what this passage is talking about. Spiritual mourning. Last week we talked about this spiritual emptiness that needs to come. This spiritual poorness, this emptying out, making room for Jesus because what this morning is talking about here in the spiritual sense of mourning is the spiritual sense of mourning my sin and my rebellion. You know what I'm talking about. When you make that mistake, when you, you, you step over that line that you know you shouldn't, and you get that ugh feeling. Anybody, you, know, you know what I'm talking about, right? When, when you say that thing that you know you shouldn't have said, and immediately you're like, ugh, the, ugh. That does not feel right. Or, or you, you've been free from this thing. Maybe it's a lie you believed for a while and you've been set free from it. And then you find yourself back in it and you know why you're in it. This ah, broken emptiness over the idea of the sin and rebellion. Because what the truth is, is that as a child of God, when you step into relationship with Jesus, everything Changes. Thank you, one of you. Everything changes. And how we view our sin and our rebellion changes as well. It's not, it's not just something that we're simply just okay with now, like we once were. It, it should cause mourning in us. It should cause this, this hurt, this loss, because I've, I've made this mistake. I've stepped over this line. I've betrayed. I've done this. And it should bring us to this broken place of spiritual mourning because godly sorrow, godly sorrow that produces repentance is what leads to salvation. Now, I'm not talking about shame here. I'm not saying where you get back to our point too, this unhealthy thinking of shame and regret. I'm talking about the spiritual mourning of not wanting to be where you're at that leads us to the feet of Jesus. That's where the blessing is. That's the blessing it's talking about here. It says this in 2 Corinthians 7.10. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no, no regret in that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Listen to those words. The kind of sorrow it's talking, the kind of mourning it's talking about here, 
that leads us to repentance to the feet of Jesus is blessed. But just sorrow and just shame and just regret for the sake of itself leads to the death of you. Sorrow is the system that is put in place for us to encounter Jesus, for us to get to the feet of Jesus, for get us to this place of relying on him. Now, I, I put it this way when I think of the sorrow and, and mourning is not the destination. It's not the final destination, but it is the path that a lot of us go on to get to the destination we're looking for. It's the path, it's part of the journey. So we have three kinds of sorrow. We have normal, uh, normal mourning that we all process through. We have unhealthy, unnatural mourning, believing lies. And we have the spiritual mourning, the mourning over our sin and our mistakes and our brokenness. Now, I want to talk just briefly three quick ways that we can be comforted, that we can process through, that we can lean in when it comes to going through these seasons. Three things that we're comforted by. Number one, we have the comfort of the Savior. Spiritual mourning leads to our Savior Jesus. Like I said, we have the comfort of our Christ Jesus. No matter what kind of mourning we are in, in any of those three, we have Jesus. We have the Savior. 1 John 2, 1 says this, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. What a line. I'm writing this to you so you will not sin. But then I love the word line after it. But if anyone does sin, I love this because it's saying like, I'm writing this to you so you won't sin. But I know you're going to. And I know it's gonna cause mourning in you after you've heard this beatitude and it's gonna change the way you view sin. I know what it's going to do. We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Beautiful passage. What this is saying is that even when we find ourselves in a season of mourning over our sin, over our mistakes, we have an advocate in Jesus Christ that makes a case for us to God. Because the mourning leads us to repentance, but Jesus stands between us and God. In this imperfection that we walk through in life, when we stand before the gates of heaven, when we stand at the entry place of heaven, we have this imperfection of the world. But then Jesus stands in between as our advocate to say to God, the blood I shed on the cross was for them. The, 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 the nails that pierced my hand was for them. Me conquering the grave was for them. So that, yeah, they might have been imperfect. They, had, they experienced this sorrow and mourning of their sin, but they have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's a hope of comfort we have. When we are in a season of mourning and brokenness, we have Jesus, just like I said with Lazarus. Jesus comes to comfort them, to mourn with them. Whatever season of mourning you're in, you have Jesus Christ. It's simply opening up to him, allowing him to comfort you. The second thing we have to comfort us through seasons of mourning is the Holy Spirit. John 14, verses 16 and 17 say this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads to all truth. When we accept Christ into our life and the Holy Spirit comes and seals us, the Spirit 
lives in us, comforts us. Now, oftentimes I know when we pray, we pray things like this. God, let your Holy Spirit move in me so I feel no pain at all. God, let your Holy Spirit comfort me so I don't feel this pain at all. It's not really how it works. The Holy Spirit is the comforter that walks through the journey with us, that gives us that little bit of strength, that little nudge that we need, that little encouragement that we need. It doesn't change the situation completely, but it walks through and guides us through life. Put it this way, I used to play Little League when I was younger. Anybody else play Little League? Great, couple of us. Um, I remember there was one play. When I was about 11 years old, I was at first base and the ball went down the third base line. Third baseman catches it, he comes up and he begins to throw it right at me. I remember I had my foot on the bag and I stuck my glove out like this. I am going to catch this ball, 100%. But then my ADD kicked in, I looked over here and my glove went over there too. And I knew the ball was coming so I looked back but the glove didn't come back. That ball hit me right in the face. Broke my nose. That's why it's so beautiful today. <laughs> Broke my nose. When I say I looked horrible, I looked horrible. My nose was five times too big. My lips were swollen like balloons. My face was black and blue. I remember the pain of that situation. Now when I got home, my mother got this ice pad and put it on my face. I remember that feeling. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. It, it's not necessarily changing the situation of my brokenness, but it's the soothing, calming presence that changes just enough for me to walk through it. The Holy Spirit changes us in that regard. It says this in Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. Relying on the Holy Spirit is in seasons of mourning. When you get to that place, and I know some of you have been here before, I don't even know what to say. I'm, I'm hurting so much. I'm broken so much. I'm in so much pain. I don't even know what to say. The Holy Spirit begins to intercede for us, to guide us on this journey. The third thing that we have to comfort us in seasons of mourning. We, are, we can be comforted by the scripture, by the word of God. We can be comforted by scripture. Romans 15, four says, for whenever things are written before, were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The Bible, the word of God, is something in our life when we find ourselves in a season of mourning where we can't see clearly, where we are not seeing the world right, we can reflect back to the truth of the Word of God, find hope again, find peace again, and to cling on to this truth. And here's the honest truth. I'm not trying to shame anyone here. It's just the truth of the world we live in. Most of us, this comfort item, the Word of God, is really just a glorified coaster on our coffee table. So people see it when they come over. We find ourselves in mourning. It's, it's often right there, it's in our bookshelf, it's somewhere, we know where it is. We get into a hard situation of brokenness and loss and we, we go and we think about the right thing to do. I know what I need to do. 
Here's what most of us do. I know what I need to do. I need to decide what show on Netflix to binge to take my mind off of it. I need to distract myself. I need to, I need to go to this bar or this club to distract myself from this pain. I need to go fight this person or fight this person to distract myself from this pain when the answer is right there in the Word of God. The truth and the hope of the gospel crying out to us saying, open me, let me pour into your life. And I just want to talk to the people in the room this morning. If you don't have a Bible, if you need help getting one, reach out to us. Reach out to us at the church. We'd love to help. We'd love to give you one because the Word of God, the Word of God begins to change our compass and how we live our life. The truth and the hope that we hold on to is in those words. Because this idea of this countercultural lifestyle, when it comes to mourning, you start to live counterculturally like Christ calls us to. And you take on this mentality of blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. And you start to live life that way. I hate to break it to you. People are going to look at you weird. It's true. You're going to find yourself in a situation where you are broken and undone. You're at the end of your rope, the bottom of your barrel, but you're clinging on to the hope of Jesus Christ. And it won't look like how the world mourns or you're clinging on to the Holy Spirit working inside of you. You're clinging on to the Word of God and it's changing how you approach mourning. That's the blessing, that's the honor. People are gonna look at you weird because when it comes to things like mourning and despair, the world looks at a situation of mourning and brokenness and it says, despair, run, chaos, be, be upset, be angry, be fearful, do all of these things. But when it comes to this countercultural lifestyle, Jesus says, no, have hope in eternity. Have hope for eternity. Don't get caught up in the chaos of the world. Don't get caught up in the moment you're in. You'll spend eternity with me. When the world says fear, man, how are you ever gonna get through this? What's your life gonna look like? You should be in panic and fear. Jesus says, I will hold your hand through the darkest of valleys. I will hold your hand as you walk through. You do not need to fear because I am with you. That's what it looks like when the world says run. When the world begins to say and the culture of our world says run from your problems, run from your hurts, run, run from anything that causes you to mourn, run, run, run. Jesus says run to me. Run to me. Not the things of this world, but begin to run after me. That's what countercultural living is. Amen? This pursuit of Jesus. This pursuit of Jesus changes everything. Let me pray for you. Father God, we love you and we praise you. I pray for all of us in this room who experience mourning and pain and loss. Let us rely on you, Jesus. Let us be comforted by your word, comforted by your spirit, comforted by you. Let us receive that blessing that it speaks of this honor and favor that comes from knowing you, even in the season of mourning. We love you and we praise you in your holy name. Amen.